Those lights are bright. <laughs> From back are, there, as like you can oh, always yeah. move forward okay. too out of the light. Yeah, yeah. So this this is Greg Chrisman. I've known Greg for about a year and a half. No, yeah, I, I've known you years. longer. The first time I met Greg uh, was at a, a pastor's conference, and he gave a seminar about what he, he what God had been laying on his heart about how you should do ministry in cities. Really. I yeah, about that. and I totally didn't like him. I was like, <laughs> I was like, what is that guy talking about? He doesn't know. He's got his own view, and I think God softened my heart. And I think he had really good things to say that day. But uh, Greg is a pastor at one of our sister Great Commission churches in South Los Angeles, California. Yeah, and he's going to talk about that a little bit. And we just thought this would be a good opportunity. He was here for this conference for, on pastors with pastors we had for the past few days, and he's hanging around and wanted to see what we were up to and. Um, I said, hey, or he said, hey. Yeah, yeah. hey. Hey, one of us, yeah. we can't figure out which one of us said he should talk tonight. But anyway, he's here. He's going to share his story. Cool. Um, and I've heard parts of it, and it's, it's awesome. So mm-hmm. if you guys would, give Greg a hand and then your attention after that. All right, cool. And uh, just a little housekeeping. Is there like a certain time I should be done? Ten. Ten. 1010 to Yuma. Um, all right. Well, um, it has been a joy getting to know Greg. Part of my past is I went to Ball State University in Indiana, which uh, some of you guys who are into late night television may know that as David Letterman's alma mater. And um, he, he's a real funny guy. You guys heard of him? Okay. I can't see your faces, so, you know, I need to ask. Uh, he has a, a C average uh, scholarship that in high school you have to get C's to apply to the scholarship. And uh, anyway, that wasn't me, but um, went to Ball State, and uh, that's kind of how I got connected to this movement. And one of the things that here tonight I just want to really share is, uh, I don't know if you're a note taker, feel free to take notes. Um, I find that's real helpful for me. I do tend to kind of spiral off, but I, I do also in my head have a few key things I want to share. And uh, two of those big ideas are the sense of belonging, um, the idea of acceptance. Um, and uh, I, I was just even sitting there as we were uh, standing in the back as we were worshiping. I was like, man, I wonder how many people in this room can remember being in high school. Or uh, for me, it was really... Uh, um, junior high, and not feeling accepted by anybody. I changed schools. It was a very difficult time in my life. And I remember, though, the inverse of that, really feeling accepted. And I was just like, oh, my gosh, these guys. Like, I am so down with these guys. And uh, I'll share a little bit more of my story uh, with that. But um, acceptance is such a deep thing in us as humans. The other idea I want to hit on is this idea of oughtness. And um, oughtness isn't a real popular word. You probably don't walk out the door and uh, you know, tell your friend, your roommate, your coworker, hey, you know, I have a sense of oughtness today. You know? um, but it really is that idea of like when you know things are not as they ought to be. One of the reasons I love the firehouse, and uh, I love these guys, I mean that, is that I've really seen them, and I love seeing the pictures back in the office of what this place 
looked like when they got it and how they transformed it. And that idea of restoration is kind of caught up in the idea of oughtness. I'm going to talk a little bit about that. And I just have a couple key verses, both from the book of John, uh, John 10.10 10 and John 14.6. And, um, and then, actually, uh, I listen to a lot of music, and I used to have a real problem with buying music. Uh, when I first moved to L.A., I lived just skating distance. I grew up a skateboarder, still skate a little bit when I get the chance, uh, just real close to this big record shop called Amoeba Records. And... Uh, um, I was pastoring at the time, too, and I had a conviction on my heart. I was like, oh, man, if people in my church knew how much I was spending on music, and I, was just, I just had to give that up. I was like, okay, I'm going to tap this at $50 a month. And uh, this place is a used place, and a lot of things you can get for $3. I'm not very good at math. I married uh, someone who's a mathematician, but I don't know how many times $3 goes into 50 I was still buying probably too much music, even with my budget, right? So um, I have a couple songs, uh, one from uh, um, a friend of mine, Jason Barrows, and another one from Josh Garrels that I uh, just want to share with you that I think captures some of my heart. So everyone tracking with me? Cool. Um, for me, I grew up in a house that was, we went to church, I would say nominal Christians, and uh, I really never understood the gospel. And there was a Sunday school teacher who I think, looking back, had to have probably been most, one of the most eccentric women. I can't remember her name. Um, but it's kind of like in every fellowship, there's someone that uh, probably speaks the truth not so much in love. I don't know if you can think of someone like that in your life right now. Just very direct. And I think as a little boy, I remember hearing her talk about how Jesus went to the cross for me. And in him rising from the dead, he's given us salvation. But really, in Revelation, I mean, who shared, what Sunday school teacher shares from Revelation? You know, Revelation 3.20, uh, that uh, he's knocking on, the, on your door and asking to enter in and dine with you. Now go back to that idea of belonging. For a little boy, I just thought, yeah, I want the God of the universe to come to my life. I want to have meals with him. Um, and that's probably always been a part of who I am. Now being in a home, and I love my parents, but we, I didn't have strong discipleship. There wasn't uh, a real sense of talking about Jesus in my home. And uh, really in middle school, I moved schools. And that, doing that move, something changed in me where I started running with a crew that did a lot of things I'm not proud of. Um, you know, uh, uh, we stole, we broke into cars. Um, some guys were, uh, you know, slinging dope and doing things, that, uh, tr- experimenting with drugs. And, and I didn't necessarily do all those things, but I saw this and I tasted I, and And it was, um, it was a very difficult time in my life. But you know one of the things I think of when I think of that time? I think, man, me and this crew, we just wanted to be the wolf pack. We just wanted to bro down and we wanted to belong right? We just wanted to belong so much. And uh, it was actually through a friend of mine who was exploring Islam at the time that he and I got in these long conversations, and I realized, whoa, 
I know that the Jesus he's talking about is not the Jesus that I understood. And I had this moment of clarity. Things are not how they ought to be. The things that I'm doing with these guys are not good. The things that are going on in my own head and my heart, even as I think back, were not necessarily the way they ought to be. And um, for me, I came across this verse in John, John's first book of the Bible I read, and I just thought, man, this is the Jesus. I remember having these long conversations with guys. I mean, this really was a bit of like an apologetics seminar for me or seminary. Uh, We talked about all kinds of world religions. We battled. I mean, that was just part of growing down with one another, you know, and uh, and for me, it was like, whoa, there's no one like Jesus. When I came to John 10.10, 10, where Jesus says, I have, uh, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I've come to give life abundantly. I remember telling my homie, I was like, you want abundant life. Like, that is why we're doing this. We want to feel a sense of belonging that gives us a thrill. And, uh, and I was real convicted at that age. And um, I'd seen a friend of mine shot. I thought about all the things. Man, I'm out there destroying things. I just thought, man, what side of this verse am I on? Because even in this verse, it has a sense of oughtness, the way things ought to be. And I said, man, fellas, uh, things ought to be like we're belonging for good for justice, for peace, for all these things. Like, you know, we'd be up all night and I would think, man, what are we doing? Like, we, there's anger. Like, there's straight hatred for people. But we're people. Like, why are we having this hatred towards people? And uh, it was really through uh, a friend of a friend who was a Young Life leader. And I remember his name to this day, Dave Vogt, you know, just helping me, walk me through how the gospel applies to my life, and really just befriended me. Even his discipleship approach still stays with me today. You know, just coming alongside people and saying, you are a person just like me who needs acceptance, who needs a sense of belonging, yes, from one another in this room, but ultimately from your heavenly Father. And that was a real crux for me because as I looked at other world religions, I realized that you know, if you go afar in the Eastern religion, uh, there's an argument that everything we're experiencing is an illusion. Everything we're experiencing is an illusion. And there's a real sense of passivity. And I thought, man, if there is a God, I know so much oughtness that that does not line up. And then I started thinking about, uh, you know, universalism. And I started thinking, man, there's so much belonging there. But what's that relationship really founded on? And this is where, you know, I share the verse, John 14, 6, where Jesus says, I, uh, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And I don't know where you're at with Jesus tonight or uh, where your walk is with him. But I just think based on that one verse alone, like seriously, consider that. He is the way the truth, and the life. And no one, I mean, that verse is very plain. No one 
comes to the Father except through Jesus. If that is true, we should be talking to that Jesus every day. We should have such a sense of belonging that, man, you redeemed me from the pit of hell. Your love is so deep that I should, I should be praying to you every day. You should know the depths of who I am. And a buddy of mine, Jason Barrows, just put out a, a, an album. He's a musician from Indiana. He's, he's actually the guitarist for Josh Garrels. So you guys are playing Josh Garrels' music here before. Um, and uh, he has a song, License to Kill. And uh, he says, uh, for I have a license to kill. I shot down hell in a field. When I think about my lostness, the pain I was creating, I think that is so not like an illusion. There's something that was real there that I had to deal with. And it's like, wow, Jesus went to the cross for me in my sin. He didn't just do it for all of you. He did it for me. And in that understanding of belonging, that has radically changed the way uh, I really see fellowship. So in L.A., we have a small fellowship, not that much bigger than this group. We meet on the campus of USC, and uh, it's really slow work. And uh, I just really want to encourage you guys tonight that if you know Jesus, that there would be such a deep gratitude that he gunned it all down for you. It wasn't you. It was him taking it to the cross and rising from the dead. You see, a lot of times uh, I've dealt with death more frequently than I'd like to think about. And sometimes you go to these funerals and people say, you know, he's in, he or she's in a better place. And, you know, even sometimes believers will say, hey, you know, you know Jesus made peace with death. And um, I just want to say that's not exactly biblically true. Actually, what he did is he conquered death. Like, Jesus conquered death. And that gratitude in me makes me want to say, man, Lord, I have a totally new identity now. I can't just do things like I did before. I want to understand belonging in such a deeper way. That belonging, that gratitude that he went to the cross for me is so much deeper now. And that, that gratitude then would actually filter out. And what's interesting about these two words, belonging and oughtness, it's kind of like belonging speaks to one sense of our human experience, but oughtness does also. We can go through pain. And uh, a couple years ago, uh, my dad passed away very suddenly. And uh, they still don't know why. And um, uh, it was a very difficult time in my life. Um, and I miss him all the time. We were, he really started running for the Lord later in life. You know, I kind of feel like the Roman centurion in Acts 16, where it says uh, uh, his whole household grew in faith. And it's kind of like as I started running for Jesus and really knowing him, um, I saw my dad start asking questions. He actually ended up taking my mom on a mission trip to Russia, and uh, um, my mom received Christ and got baptized there. And, um, you know, it's just so cool to see parents really running for the Lord and so different. Um, but, you know, when I think about losing him and I miss him all the time, is um, 
this idea of oughtness, that that isn't how things ought to be. You see, in biblical truth, we have a God who comes near to us. The Hebrew word for this is Emmanuel, you know? And even though, like, uh, you know, I can't just call my dad up tonight. I'd love to do that. Um, You know, there is a heavenly Father who draws near to us. And um, I actually wasn't planning on sharing that. Uh, I remember sitting at home, and uh, if you've ever lost anyone close to you, you know it can, like now, it can just hit you. It can just hit you. And um, and I just remember standing on the wall, and I just felt like these waves coming over me, and I just sat down, and uh, it was just me and my... uh, you know, one-year-old, one-and-a-half-year-old son at the time. And he came down the hallway. And he gave me this hug. And he just said, I'm sorry, Papa. I'm sorry, Papa. I mean, that is a picture of how things ought to be. And I don't know what kind of loss you've had in your life or what kind of lack of acceptance you've experienced. But when you see it in a little boy, the way it is ought to be intimacy in relationship. And I don't know what happens to us. I was listening on uh, NPR uh, the other week in one of these TED Talks, and this really smart guy, much smarter than me, was talking about how um, in today's culture, today's university-driven culture, we're actually untaught creativity. Like you see it in little kids. Little kids don't have a problem with creativity, right? We get older, and we kind of get jaded and we feel tired at the end of the day we don't feel like we have much energy and he was just talking about we have to relearn creativity and uh, I think for the church kind of here as I shift towards closing my thought is that you would really have a heart born out of belonging born from understanding that you've been saved from it from hell. Not just hell out there and hell in the future, but hell inside yourself. In that uh, you've been saved to something. And someone has drawn so near to you that they want to walk with you. They want to abide with you. And that oughtness should manifest in our relationships in this room. And really, I think... Um, My life kind of made some shifts, and as I moved to L.A. and helped start the church there, I actually started doing uh, some personal consulting. I went to Pepperdine, got an organizational development degree, and I started working with all these businesses and all these small businesses. And um, I I should say this, too, for you guys here tonight, that in L.A., the average church size is under 35. Yeah, I mean, there are big churches there, and you may have heard of, like, Mosaic or reality in these mega churches but i mean there are literally hundreds of churches in la on lots of corners but the average size is under 35 in that you guys would um because your relationship because the gospel is so palpable in you because the gospel is so real to you that you would move towards relationship because you have a god who is emmanuel who drew near to you my little son, his name's Cana, and I just love that picture, seeing him come down the hallway and drawing near to me. I thought, man, Lord, you are so good. You are so good. You want me to draw near to you. You want me to draw near to my son. You want me to draw near to those, even in my fellowship, that 
maybe have a different personality. See, the Bible never says, be unified with those like you. Be unified with those who have your same personality. Be unified with those who like skateboarding and hip-hop like Greg does. No, that's not in the Bible, for the record. (laughs) No, you know, be unified with those brethren that have also been called out of darkness. You know Christ tonight. You've been called out of darkness. And um, my challenge for you would be to draw near to one another. There's a word for this called intimacy. And I like the little phrase, into me, you see. And that just helps me understand what real intimacy is. It's not me just running with people that I think have the same interests as me. Is It's me saying, uh, hey, brother, I was sitting on the floor crying, and my son came up and gave me a hug. And I love that little dude. I miss him tonight. And um, that is really a picture of how God has loved you. He wants to draw near to you, and he wants the fellowship to draw near to one another. Um, Talking to my wife right before this, she has a close friend who has ovarian cancer, and she sat with her this morning, and um, she brought, we have two kids. She brought her, uh, brought my kids gifts, and... um, And she, she met with my wife to tell her she doesn't know how much longer she has. I don't know about you, like when you think about sickness and you think about that kind of disease, like I think that hits on our oughtness, right? Like that's not how it ought to be. You know, the brokenness we see in the world is not how it ought to be. The other pro- reason I share that story of my wife's friend, though, is My wife felt so close to her in that moment. Like she realized she was closer to this gal uh, than this gal is to her own blood family. But I think my wife felt closer to her than maybe even some of her blood family. And I just think, man, that is a powerful picture of the gospel. And that's a powerful picture of what fellowship is. And if you have hardship uh, in your life, uh, this is where I, I think of the last song I want to quote is, um, I think it's actually by Beautiful Eulogy, but Josh Garrell sings the hook called Anchor of My Soul. He says, Anchor of my soul, you sustain. When I'm in the storm, forgetting this next line. You remain. When I'm in the storm, you remain good to me. Good to me. That's my story. I'm still trying to understand how the gospel is going to live itself out of me. But I really believe it has to do with understanding a real deep sense of belonging that I have salvation in Jesus Christ, and no other name. And because of that belonging, I can live out a sense of oughtness, which really means intimacy with others. And I'll just leave you with two things. Um, Oughtness really kind of comes from this word shalom. You guys probably heard the word shalom. You know, in the Middle East, they'll even greet each other by saying shalom. And we translate it peace. But that really doesn't capture it. 
You know, people say, peace be to you. Shalom. And uh, I've really tried to practice this even in our own fellowship. Even, uh, e- even if it's not verbally, I'll text people and I'll just say, you know, peace, peace, speak peace. That's, that's, an, that, that's another little hip-hop song that I like. Um, uh, and that really, in that, oughtness is bringing together that which shouldn't be. Those broken things coming back together. That's peace, right? Me having unity in the church, that's peace. Me having unity with my wife, that's peace. Um, I don't think I finished my thought before about uh, doing some consulting work with these executives. Is me really helping them understand you can be a peace bringer, but it isn't by smoothing things over. It's actually by um, bringing oughtness into your business. Hey, this is how we want to work together, and here's why. And this is so powerful. And I really saw a lot of businesses changed the way they did things. And, um, uh, and so I just give that word to you, shalom. You might even think about using it. And, and then here recently, a brother in our, our body, um, we're a real eclectic bunch. We have some students from USC. We have a couple students from India, a couple students from China. Uh, we have a number of students in business school, a number of students in the uh, Masters of Taxation school. Uh, I didn't even know USC had that until I met them. And, um, uh, um, and uh, we have a number of young families, not unlike what I see here, young couples that are just trying to understand, man, what does it mean to be married? I got so proud. I was just living as a single person. And uh, one brother said, you know what? At the end of the day, I just want to say Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. Now I could just fix my eyes on him. And uh, so there's some brothers in our, our church that uh, even when they say goodbye, they just say, Jesus is Lord, you know. And uh, um, I like the picture in Revelation 19 where uh, Jesus has a tattoo on his thigh. Everyone, does everyone know Jesus has tattoos? All right, it's in there. And uh, he's on his white horse, and he sa- it says this, that he has, he has a name for each of us in here that only he knows. And I love that. I love that. When I think of belonging, he has a name for you that you don't even know, but he knows you so well. You're so his. You are his. And that issue of naming also deals with oughtness, that you would understand your identity so well, that you would make peace with your passions, your vision, how you live out being the church here. I just hope that um, maybe in some of my stories I would inspire you guys to live in greater intimacy greater patience with one another, and really a greater heart to bring in others so they would know the belonging that you have in Jesus Christ. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, you are Emmanuel. You are King of Kings, and you are the one who rides a white horse. I pray that there would be a sense of courage in confidence in the saints here, that they would know that um, though small in number, though they probably don't have all the things that the people around them have, that they would realize they have been called out of darkness, that they belong to you, that you gunned down hell in a field for them, that they would live out of gratitude, and that that gratitude would manifest itself in a deep 
willingness to be intimate with one another. Lord, I just pray your blessing on everyone here on this ministry and uh, just such a joy to see saints here just wanting to run for you, wanting to say, hey, I want my life to count. I want my life to count and I'm looking to you. Jesus Christ, your Lord. Amen.